Welcome, or hopefully I say welcome back, to The Spoken Nerd, the podcast about database technology. I'm your host, Connor McDonald. The birds are singing outside, spring has come, and today is indeed a special day. It's the first time we have a guest on the podcast. Now, what used to be the case was a couple of times a year, I would get to the UK, or I'd be traveling to a place where English was not the first language, and our hosts would generously put all the English speakers together, and I would catch up with this person. Conferences were how this person and I used to touch base. And hopefully, that's enough of an intro to let you work out who it is. And without further ado, welcome to the man, the myth, the legend that is Oracle Base, Tim Hall. G'day, Tim. Hi there, Connor. I can't believe, I I thought I'd get a a nice resounding response out of that intro, but evidently not. (laughs) (laughs) What do I say after that intro? Yeah, guaranteed to let you down when you meet me in real life. There's actually two reasons I'm pretty glad to have you here is one is because of there's no conferences that used to be what we used to do. Like we'd, we'd catch up probably once or twice a year, either in the UK or in, in some other foreign country. And we would sit down being, I would say with all due respect, the dinosaurs that we are. And, and we'd talk about all the cool stuff and then we'd bitch about the bad stuff. And yeah, it, it always reminds me of that, you know, that the Simpsons old man yells at cloud. We'd be the old men that yell at cloud. So that's, that's the one good reason I'm happy to have you here. The second reason is last time we had a chat like this officially, as in with the recording turned on, do you remember? It was in 2018 in Hyderabad, and that was those Oracle Code events. Yes, yes, I do remember. And, and that was, I just felt really awkward because, yeah, we've known each other for so long, and yet I'm sitting there going, tell me, Tim, tell me a bit about your background. What do you do for a living? Yeah, et cetera. So it was all a bit, a bit, sort of, a bit sort of, of a facade. So I was, I was thought just to actually better to have a podcast kind of thing so we can just chat. So how's life treating you? Yeah, not too bad, actually. Um, It's kind of weird because prior to the pandemic, I would never have thought I'd be happy working from home. I've spent the last 18 months working from home and now I never want to go back. So it's odd. I'm almost living my best life now while everyone else is miserable, which is kind of strange. It's it's true. I mean, I for me, COVID didn't really change my working life too much because I was working from home anyway. And yet I know my neighbors were typical sort of work, work from the office workers. And now they've been at home for a long time. And yeah, they just, they're desperate not to go back. They've just found it really, really useful. Yeah, I think it just, it teaches you a lot about yourself, I think. And I think for some people, they are desperate to go back because they realize they hate being out of the crowd. But for me, I didn't realize how much I hated being in the crowd as when I haven't had to be. I've always said about presenting, it's not natural to me. And I find that I have a different personality depending on where I am. I'm different at home compared to when I'm with friends, compared to when I'm in a conference, compared to when I'm at the office. I think that's natural. You basically blend in with the people around you. It's part of building rapport. I didn't realize how much effort it takes to be those different people. I'll have a post-conference crash where I've been the hyper Tim for too long and I need to shut up and be on my own. But I've come to realize that I also get exhausted by the work Tim as well. And so for me, I feel like my natural setting is actually on my own without people around. 
I get plenty of contact with people all throughout the day with Zoom calls and, and Teams meetings and stuff like that. It's not like I'm completely isolated, but I feel like this is a natural state for me. It's the most comfortable state. And I don't think I even realized it until we started working from home. So it was interesting. If you'd asked me 18 months ago, I would never have believed that I'm, I'd be saying I'd never want to go back to the office again. But that's the way I feel now. The downside of it is I'm doing much longer hours now than I was in the office because the, the office day creeps into the rest of your life. So I've got to be a bit more disciplined about turning off, really. I'm the same. Like when I first started with Oracle and working from home, I remember I did it for the first few months. It was really tough because I'd come from environments where you were often in, in a customer side as, as the mentor, as the Oracle person that people would come to. So you had that people always coming to you all day. For the first few months of joining Oracle and I'm working from home, I got pretty down and I'm sitting there going, I wish that pigeon on the window would talk to me. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's funny how I sort of came out of that. As you said, you sort of find a rhythm, you find a style that suits you. And But I agree with the thing where it's so easy just if you're sitting here bored and you've just finished your dinner or you've just done something, put a load of washing on, you go, ah, oh, I might just whip out a blog post or I might just check on this or you might. And so it is very easy to get sucked into this. You're not doing 18 hours of work, but you are work oriented for 18 hours. Yeah. The thing that's weird for me is that I used to work quite long hours anyway. I'd then come home, turn on the PC and start doing my kind of non-work stuff, which is the website and blogging and stuff. There was a very clear delimiter between those. And the difficulty now is that I say to myself, right, I'm going to stop work now and start doing my own stuff, but it's literally on the same PC. And if I don't close down Outlook and Teams and stuff like that, I still get messaged. My email pings and I think, oh, I wonder what that is. And I break off from what I'm doing for myself and go back into work mode. And it's 10 o'clock at night or something. I keep saying to myself, promising myself, I'll have a time where I'll turn everything off and it'll just be me at the computer doing my own thing. That dividing line is pretty much gone, which makes doing my own thing a lot harder now than it was before. Because literally, as soon as I left the office, the office didn't exist and I was just doing my own thing. The worst thing is, even when you turn off, I find like I have the office hours once a month and that for me is I do it from 9pm till 10pm. The office hours finishes at 10pm, but then you're amped up. There's no concept of, oh, well, I'll just go to bed now, whatever. Literally, you're amped up. So that's when I go, oh, damn it, I might as well just edit it while I'm here because you're all you know amped up. You, you mentioned your blog in terms of working on your blog. One of the things that's interesting is the reason I wanted to reach out and touch base, no pun intended, today was... You know, it's the Joel Kalman day was on Monday. And so it's sort of, you know, you call it the week of Joel Kalman. The, the whole OTN or whatever it was called, Community Appreciation Day, sort of sprung up when I was making that non-Oracle to Oracle transition in terms of a working career. So I sort of missed the origins of how it all sort of came to be. So where, where did it all start? Okay, so... It was really a sort of odd situation. I, I woke up one day and I was lying in bed in that sort of slight sort of fog you have when you first wake up and just thought there's a whole bunch of people that sit behind OTN that actually do a hell of a lot of work that helps us. So as someone like a content creator, someone who's kind of known in the community, you tend to get all the credit for things like you invented this product, like you invented the documentation, etc. But there's a whole bunch of people working behind the scenes to make our life easier. And one of those groups was the people behind OTN. So there used to be this thing called Oracle Technology Network. And it's where you went to see the source of all the white papers and 
It was effectively the front end into things like the forums. It was where you downloaded software from, et cetera. So that whole thing was sort of managed by a group of people. And those same people were managing the ACE program. And I just thought most people don't have a clue who they are. Most people just go on, use those resources and actually don't think about them twice. As someone who knew a few of the people behind that, I just thought they're really unsung heroes in this whole look at me, I'm important, I'm a creator type thing. I woke up the one morning and just thought we should really do something to say thanks to them. So I came up with this notion of thanks OTN as really just a thank you to the whole bunch of people that sit behind um, the scenes who make our life easier and indirectly make it easier for us to be content creators. And that's how it started. And people seem to really sort of like that idea. Where it got a little bit tricky is that OTN effectively got rebranded. It was every year I was really struggling to find a name for it. Sometimes there was like, it got got rebranded as almost like developer champions. So what did we had? We had OTN, then we had, was it ODC, wasn't it? Oracle? Yeah, Oracle Developer Champions or something. Uh, developer community and then there was groundbreakers and the difficulty then is most people who worked with oracle knew what otn was and it was very recognizable but a lot of these other things we had people going but i'm not a developer when it was developer related Uh, people at oracle saying i don't feel like i can contribute because i feel like i'm almost giving myself a pat on the back which sounds really narcissistic sounds really stupid So it got really difficult. And I actually rested the idea in 2019 because obviously we had the pandemic. I think a lot of us were all burnt out from online conferences because we did so many during that first year because we got all excited and did far too many. So I sort of rested it. But one of the big reasons was I couldn't think of a suitable name that people could latch onto. And then more recently, obviously, with the sad news about Joel, I thought, Joel was really big on the community and whether you used Apex or not, I sort of feel like he personified that community spirit. I wonder if we should just call it the Joel Kalman day, but I wasn't sure about that because I thought maybe people would think I was being opportunistic. Yeah, you just never know. Maybe it was sort of in bad taste, but I couldn't see it. So I contacted some people at Oracle and just said, will you have a, a talk to a few people, especially some people in the apex team and get their view on it because I don't want to do something that a bunch of people who cared about him feel is not right. And the answer came back. Yeah, we think it's a great idea. I kind of rebranded it as the Joel Kalman day. So it's not specifically about apex. It's not specifically about Joel as such. Obviously this year, a lot of people wrote about Joel because it's still very fresh and raw But the idea is it's just a name to put on this community day because I think Joel personified community and that's the name we can keep forever, hopefully now. So it's going to be a a yearly community day and just a nod to Joel and his efforts for building the Apex community. It literally is about anything you want it to be, but he's effectively the figurehead for it. So I'm really happy with it for two reasons. One, I think it's a pretty fitting tribute to Joel because of what he represented. Two, I think it's less confusing for people that it's now just a generic community day than when they didn't know what it really was. And no matter how much I tried to explain it, people didn't really get it. 
this has worked out really nicely. I'm really happy with it. The main thing about the day as a whole is that especially when you're geeky, you tend to look for outliers or things that irritate you. And you can be very negative about products that you've spent your life using. And I think on the community day, it's predominantly positive. There's very few negative posts on that day that get associated with the community day. It's all about, I love this, or I can't wait for this, or wouldn't this be really cool? And I like that sort of positive energy because I'm as miserable as everyone else. As long as we can get one out of 365 days where everyone's on the, on the upbeat, <laughs> we're, we're, we're pretty Yeah, good. exactly. You know, I, yeah, I'm a classic, you know, I moan about everything, but it's nice to put a bit of positive vibes out there. And that's what I like about it. I had this week off work trying to get back some holidays from last year and I spent the whole of Monday effectively reading and retweeting things and it was just a really fun day for me just sitting watching it all happen from the minute I got up to the minute I went to bed and then the next day waking up and it's all the people who were posting while I'm asleep to catch up on it's just I find it really fun probably says a lot about me <laughs> but I was I really enjoyed for me it was it was Tuesday catching up on because it's one of those strange things where Joel was obviously someone I met at conferences and tours and and but he was a work colleague. This is not someone I would probably invite to my wedding or anything, but he was just a work colleague, someone that you'd call just, you know, a good professional acquaintance. When I heard that he'd passed away, I was like, oh, this is sad. But it was literally probably not too long up. I, I worked out, it really shook me up. It really hit home with me. And and I was sort of I was almost confused as to why am I like so impacted by this because Joel's just a, a work colleague we've had some interactions but you know at the time or certainly now I wasn't part of the apex you know team so I wasn't working with him every day and and I think it was that thing I thought this is someone that every time you hung out with Joel he was so invested in really just making you know tech people's lives better and I think, as you said, dinosaurs like you and me, we can often steer in the other direction of moaning or whatever. It really flattened me for a fair while, which, which sort of took me by surprise. Sadly, on the negative side, it, it's made me overly passionate on non-work social media like Facebook and like about the anti-vax community and stuff like that. Yeah, it's easy to go down the rabbit hole with that. I, I Especially all of the social media related to Joel, there was a lot of people jumping on the anti-vax movement yeah. and associating with that and i found myself responding a lot kind of in defense of the situation and then i eventually just deleted all my tweets because i realized i was just fueling the fire it doesn't matter what you say or do so i figured that i was actually making the situation worse so i just ducked out of it completely so in in terms of oracle communities do you think the apex community is, is still the benchmark do you think other Oracle communities have, have reached that sort of utopia or are they still some ways to go? I think it's a lot more even now than it used to be. I remember when I went to OD Tug, I was kind of surprised because there was just so much enthusiasm in the Apex community and I felt like a lot of the other communities felt almost like they were dying. Apex seemed to be very positive, quite young the community, the people in the community were quite young compared to the DBA community. And, and I do think there was that positive spin on things. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, a lot of the DBA crowd, including myself, we're looking for ways to separate ourselves. And one of those ones is look at this weird, interesting artifact I found that no one else has mentioned. Aren't I great? And why doesn't Oracle fix that? 
that's not 99% of your day, but you only seem to focus on that 1% because it's how you differentiate yourself. So I keep trying to wind myself back and say, just focus on the positive because there's lots of positive. It's just hard not to get drawn into the negative sometimes. It's very difficult. One of the things I think the Apex community has done really well is I've been to Apex talks where the, the content on the slide or the content on the presenter is nothing earth shattering or groundbreaking. It's it's stuff that it's just fundamentals of Apex. And yet you never see anyone like what would happen in, say, some of the DBA communities. You'll never see feedback saying, oh, well, I didn't learn anything, whatever. It's very much about shared success. It's more if this person's getting up and doing a talk, say, or even a blog post on something that's the fundamentals, people will applaud it. And, and even if they learn nothing from it or think they learn nothing from it, they're effectively just applauding the fact that someone went to the effort because they know that someone else will do it. So there's a very much concept of shared success and, and everyone prospers where certainly, as you said, in the DBA community, there's a little bit more of, oh, why did I waste my time reading this? Or yeah, we've all known that since Oracle 7, that kind of put down stuff, which uh, hopefully we can get out of that, that quagmire. I think the interesting thing about that though is probably the nature of the product has an impact. So if you think about sort of the design element of the internet, it changes constantly, sometimes subtle, sometimes like brutal changes. And so anything that's front end has to evolve to suit that. You're pretty much guaranteed that there will be new versions of Apex that have fundamental differences in sort of the design language, for want of a better term, even if the underlying product is the same. So it could be, oh, in this version, we have cards because everyone's used to seeing tiles or things like that on the web page. And we need a way of doing that. Those sort of, oh, we've had these type of menus for ages, but now we've got mega menus because that's something that's become popular in a lot of sort of web design for a certain type of user interface. And so those sort of things are always going to come. And a lot of new features in the database tend to look like they're marketing new features, not necessarily good features for the users. We need to tick this box. So here's the feature. Whereas I think with Apex, because the design language of the internet changes on a regular basis, there's always new stuff coming through. Those things are always relevant because you see them everywhere else on the internet. So you want them as well. And so I feel like the additions to the Apex kind of application as it is always feel very relevant certainly at the moment obviously if the internet becomes more static in terms of look and feel then apex will become more static in terms of look and feel but you know just something like watching the first demo of faceted search and i'm like whoa this looks really cool because i see the use case for this all over the place but doing it manually yeah, it's possible, but it's a pain. And now it's super easy because it does most of it for you. Those sort of things, I think, are really interesting because they're real. I know we're going to use them. And that, to me, is more important than being able to run Hadoop inside a database. I'm all for new features and stuff like that. But let's be realistic. The vast majority of people will be using 19 and 21 like it's Oracle 8. I'm putting my defend the database hat on here. <laughs> I also think that there's there's a bias there in the sense that you're right in the sense that the kind of things that we see in Apex, we see on a million websites. Faceted search, you know, you go to Amazon or eBay or any car auction sales.com, whatever. Every single website, once you type in a search criteria, has the, the facets down the left-hand side. 
I think in the database world, simply because the number of public features, so to speak, that you would see out in the wild is much lower. The only things you see from as a database professional are the things that your company uses. And therefore, when, when someone comes out with a new function, because your company, just your one company doesn't use it, you're going, this is ridiculous. Whereas there'll be some other customer who's going, oh, thank God, it's finally arrived. I remember I got caught out when, what was it? It was temporary undo, I think. When temporary undo came out, I was like, who cares? They're global temporary tables. Yeah, you get a little smattering of redo anyway. <laughs> I had a slide saying, this is a silly feature. This is ridiculous. Anyway, after this talk, this person comes up to me and goes, I should let you know, we've been waiting for that feature for like four releases and we are so uber pumped to be moving to, I think, 9.2 or whatever it was that, that it came in. They were an active data guard user. And so temporary undo for active data guard was just manna from heaven. And of course, I'm, I'd not used active data guard at my customers. Yeah, a little bit of humble pie. Yeah, but I think there's that much more risk in the database world that you only focus on the databases that you look after, as opposed to you don't go to conferences and say, tell me about all the features your database is using. You know, you just don't do that. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I was actually in Australia at the time. I was doing a talk about various new features of PLSQL for whatever version it was then a decade ago. And one of the new features at the time was the ability to use clubs with dynamic SQL. And my response was, if you need a club for dynamic SQL, what are you doing? Because if you're running dynamic SQL that's greater than 32K, what's wrong with you sort of thing? And afterwards, someone came up to me and it was the same sort of experience, just said, we've been waiting for this so long. We have to use like arrays to process it because you could effectively do longer than 32K by processing using arrays, but it was a pain in the backside. And so they came up and said, we've been waiting for this for so long. This is really necessary for us. And when you think about auto-generated SQL that you get from some products, like you know your typical reporting tool, mm. they're gigantic pages and pages of them. 32K suddenly doesn't look very big at all. It is interesting. You are very much, as you say, focused on what you care about. And I think that's why things like the internet are really good because you're having a broader experience of the product. So it's not just about what you do. You see what other people are doing and think, oh, I never really thought of that. Or that wouldn't be the angle I would take, but it's useful to remember that because there may be a use case where that becomes interesting to you. And I think back in the day when we worked in an office where if we were lucky, we had a set of paper manuals that was you're limited to your own experience and the people immediately around you. If you were part of a user group, you could expand further. But even user groups are a tiny subset of the Oracle population. I think that's one of the great advantages for me about being on the Internet. It's widened my appreciation of things that are outside of my league. I've been working with Oracle for over 26 years, but I'm still an absolute newbie at some areas of Oracle. If you asked me to, to do a specific task, I'd probably start with the how-to, the, the dummies guide to, or reach out to some people I know who are experienced in that area and say, what do I need to know and what can I avoid uh, just as a sort of the cheat sheet for that subject? Whereas that wasn't really possible when I started, you were pretty much left to your own devices and you were good if you cared enough to spend the hours. Whereas now you can Google your way to any solution and be quite decent if you've got good Googling skills. Yeah, that's similar. When I worked for BHP, a big mining company here in Perth, I'd been there for probably 10 or so years. A lot of that was 
working with Oracle. And I happily admit, you know, the ego lets you know that you think, man, I really know my stuff. I really know my stuff. And then I traveled to the UK for the first time. We worked over there for five years as, as that's probably where we met. And then you realize, oh, there are other people doing different things in a smarter way, you know, with less kit, less hardware, smarter use of money, smarter use of the technology. And yeah, it just, once you get that chance to, this is almost pre-internet or pre-internet popularity, just broadening your horizons physically by actually traveling to other places. Yeah, and obviously the internet just takes that to like the next level where effectively you get to learn everyone's experiences as long as they're prepared to blog about it. Yeah, I think uh, the other thing you've got to remember is people curate a very specific image of themselves and what they do. So when you speak to people personally, they'll often say things that are quite enlightening. So, for example, I won't say names because that would be rude, but you'll read something by a person and think, oh, my God, they're an expert at this and that's their thing. And then you speak to them and go, oh, no, no, I don't even do that in my job. But that's what I'm interested in. And that's what I write about in the evenings. And essentially what they're admitting to is having zero production experience of that thing. And you, it's kind of, I don't feel that that's a bad thing. If someone's doing the right research and putting out quality information, then that's totally cool, you know, but it's surprising because people become synonymous with certain things that aren't necessarily what they're doing in their day to day. And I feel like that's a really important thing to put out there because people will assume that I am one thing when I'm actually not. I'm a generalist. I do just about anything to do with technology. I like to think I'm pretty good at Oracle. I've spent a lot of time over the last 26 years doing it, but it's not my main job anymore. I do so many other things. And it's very easy for people to feel like that you're just sort of levitating in the corner of the room thinking about Oracle all day. And that's not that's not what I do. And also people sort of assume if you're well known, you must be an expert. And this is something I kick back on all the time where I'm saying, no, being like being a presenter doesn't mean you're an expert. Being an Oracle ace doesn't mean you're an expert. It just means that you're out there doing something and you're getting recognized for that. It doesn't mean I'm better at the job than someone you've never heard of. And I think it's really important that people stop projecting what they want you to be on top of you and they actually listen to you, which is why I'm very self-deprecating now because I want people to realize that I'm just a normal guy with a normal job. I'm not a consultant to the stars. I don't walk around into places and go, do this and you're sorted and leave. You know, I just have a regular job. I work at a university. It's a relatively... Um, it's a relatively big IT department, but from a software perspective, it's a relatively small department. And, you know, I'm just a normal guy. I happen to think I'm okay at some stuff, but I also know I'm terrible at some other stuff. So am I, is the package I deliver better than Jane blogs down the street? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. And certainly when I joined Oracle, not that I had any choice in the matter, but I was happy with the term database advocate. I did, because it's the same thing. Like my job is to hopefully make people prosper more, obviously with the Oracle technology. And, and obviously that's not entirely philanthropic. That's all about if they prosper more, they'll buy more and, you know, et cetera. That's obviously part of the job description. But 
I never want it to be that thing of, oh, yes, you know, we've employed him as a database expert or a database guru and, and those kind of terms. You just want to basically say, if we can help in any way, we can, we'll, we'll do our best. But if not, we'll try to find some mechanisms by which you can. Um, and, and that's why I've continued to blog, you know, to, to get that just more and more content out such that hopefully someone will, will find it useful. Yeah, I think those terms like expert or guru or something like that, they're, they're terms that people may place on you, but you should never place on yourself. I think the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, and the more uncomfortable you are with someone saying you're an expert. I feel like a complete beginner, even at things that I'm pretty good at sometimes. I remember going to Open World years ago, and I bounced between sessions by various people. These sessions were, they were talking about the thing that they've been working on solely for X number of years. And they had an amazing depth of knowledge in that subject. And you bounce between several rooms with several people all giving you that. And you suddenly think, I'm a complete idiot. I'm rubbish. And I actually mentioned this in a blog post and said, I feel like really terrible because Everyone seems to be such an expert and I feel useless. And people were coming back to me going, if you feel like that, how do you think I feel sort of thing? Because obviously I'm, I was well known at the time and people would assume I'm an expert, but it's all about what you can deliver. Those people that I was mentioning, they're amazing at that one feature, but they can't do my job. You know, and it's like, what package do you deliver that the, the sum total of your knowledge, your understanding, your abilities, is that package worthwhile for a company? And for some of these people who are infinitely better than me at certain things, they're not able to deliver enough value in a company like mine, whereas I can. And I think that's really important for people to understand that just because so-and-so writes a book or so-and-so presents doesn't actually mean anything until you sit in a room with them and do the job with them you don't know if they're any good or not for real which is why I never give references for people people often write to me and ask me to endorse them or give references and I'll say I will say that I've seen you present and it was really good but I have no idea what you like to work with you could be an absolute nightmare you might be terrible you might talk a great game but not be able to walk the walk so I'll never give someone a reference you know no matter how much respect I have for them in the community perspective, because all I can comment is their community participation. I have no idea what they're really like at the job. And I, I think that's something else. Have you heard people talk about parasocial relationships with no. content creators? No. So this is a big thing in things like Twitch and YouTube, where fans of a particular streamer or YouTuber, they forget that they don't know the person. And they start to almost feel like it's a one-to-one -one relationship, like they're friends. And they kind of lose touch with the fact that this is a complete stranger to you. And yeah, you've built up a certain level of rapport with them in, from your side because you've learned something about them. But someone comes out and says something, it's totally not what you expect. And you feel crushed by it because it's like, but I looked up to them and they're not what I thought they were. And it's, of course not. They're just doing a YouTube channel or streaming on Twitch. They're not your friend. You don't know them. They're presenting a public sort of image, a character. It's almost like acting. And I feel like we often get this to a lesser extent in the um, Oracle community where people just make assumptions about you as an individual 
what you are, what you believe in, what you do. And when it turns out you're not that, they feel almost let down. And well, I'm not that. Whatever it is you think I am, I'm probably not. So I feel it's important to keep reiterating that so that people don't get this false idea that I'm something special. What I am is persistent. I've done what I've done for many years, but what I've done is not necessarily better than what anyone else can do. I've just done it longer. As you can probably tell, once Tim and I get started, it's hard to stop us. But we'll pull the pin on this particular episode, but Tim and I will continue talking in the next episode of The Spoken Nerd. We'll get into blogging and his incredibly popular site, oraclebase.com, and also talk about how we've now both managed to dabble ourselves in video production. I hope to catch you on that episode, which will be coming out soon. Thanks for listening to this podcast. The music credit goes to Zanman from Pixabay Music.